hope you'll be able to continue to meditate on the words of that song. Um, I'd, I'd say that's probably new for most of us. Um, but Perry, that was a, a great choice for communion this morning. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians 10. And so maybe a little bit of an unusual text uh, to be taking communion. But as I was praying and, and just looking at uh, the, the church at Corinth um, and where we get our traditional text for communion out of chapter 11, I started thinking about that text being one that's written to a church that's doing things in an unhealthy manner. And this uh, text, it speaks directly about communion, and I think it's interesting in some things that we'll identify this morning out of the text. So 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes, the cup of blessing that we bless, and he asks this kind of question here, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Stop and think about that for just a moment. When we take this cup in remembrance of Jesus, it's a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? The same thing goes for the bread. When we take that element this morning, it's going to be done in remembrance of Christ, but it's a participation with Him, in Him. Verse 17. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. I, I think this is an interesting passage because here, as Paul's addressing the topic of communion, he's teaching using these questions. But I think there's some great truths that he uh, hits on right here that tend to we tend to miss when we just jump to chapter 11 and, and tend to look at the traditional Baptist uh, presentation of communion. Here's what I think we see, two things. First of all, when, when you think about taking the Lord's Supper, we are communing with Christ. And I, I think that seems so self-evident, but I think a lot of times we tend to overlook that. We think we just do this in remembrance of Him. But it's really about our communion with Christ. That's what He says, that we're participating in the blood of Christ. I started thinking about this. What is so significant about the blood? We're, we're actually strategizing towards an Easter service. And I, can't, I, don't, I don't want to spill all the beans um, because it's going to be a little bit similar to last year in some ways. But it's going to be, I, I, one of the things the Lord's just showing me in this is when Christ resurrected, there's something special about his resurrection physically. And I started thinking about this in terms of participating in the blood of Christ. When Christ died on the cross, the blood flow stopped. I know we know that, right? But do we register that? When he rose again, what happened to the blood flow? It started. And I don't know how that resurrection ultimately happened. If it was a slow process where he slowly rose, I have a feeling he jumped up because victory. When victory happens, what do we tend to do? We rise fast, don't we? I think that's what he did. Now, I know he had to get out of those grave cloths, so I don't know how it all happened, but I don't care because I know this, the blood flowed. That first pump of the heart, his blood flowed. And when we participate in communion with Christ, in the blood of Christ, we have life. We have life. And folks, that is 
the most important thing that I think we can grab a hold of this morning is that when we think about the life that Christ gives us based upon his resurrection, it is what kind of life? It's eternal. It is eternal life. And there's something spectacular about that. So, so I want you to think about what Christ gains with his resurrection. No longer is he broken in fellowship with the Father. He is now back in communion with the Father. He has glorified the Father in every aspect of his life. He is in obedience to the Father. I think this, in that moment of the resurrection, all of Jesus' soul delight was in the Father. Because that moment of resurrection glorifies Jesus and it glorifies the Father. Now let me stop there for a second and ask you some questions. Is your delight the heaven, our Heavenly Father because of your communion with Jesus? Do you rejoice at the sound of His name when you hear Abba, Father? Is there a, a level of intimacy, of communion that, that you receive? Because that's the, that's the case. Do you see what I'm saying? But do we live there? Do, is, that, is that what describes us? Jesus was obedient. Do we quickly obey the Father in everything? Is that how our soul is stirred? I would hope that it is. Because ultimately, when Christ rose and that blood started flowing again, there is the truest communion reestablished in the Godhead. I don't think it was ever broken, but I, I think there was something that was separating in that moment, and it's back to its truest form. Amazing. And that's who we are in Christ. So when we take that element this morning, I trust that you will remember those thoughts, and you will think about your communion with our Father. There's also a second element, and I want you to catch this. In the second part of verse 16, it says, the, uh, the bread that we break is not a participation, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And then verse 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So we, we participate in the body of Christ with him, but this is where I think there's something so it, it, spectacular about what we exist as, as the body of Christ himself. We're participating in communion with one another. Now, I want to read a quote. I, uh, and, and I'll set this up a little bit. How many of you, just, I mean, just coming out of Christmas, how many of you spent time with family of some sort? I, I would say most of us have. Gage, I see you didn't get to raise your hand. You're at work. Stinks. College students away at work. That, that's awful. Um, but most of us spent time with family, didn't we? And, and Gage and we, we talked before he left. So I know there's an innate sense that you want to be with family, right? All of us have that, I think, innate sense. It's something special. We ought to fellowship together. We ought to come together and celebrate. Folks, I'll be honest. I think that we tend to lose that when it comes to church life. I, I, I think there's times that we don't have that innate sense about being the body of Christ, that one body that participates together in him. We ought to. Listen to what Spurgeon writes. Charles Spurgeon says, he says, I'm afraid that Christian brotherhood in many cases begins and ends inside the place of worship. 
come here. It begins here, and then when we leave, it ends here. Let it not be so among us. Let it be our delight to find our society in the circle of which Jesus is the center, and let us make them our friends who are the friends of Jesus. Isn't that a great statement? And he continues, how we do that is by frequent united prayer and praise and by ministering the one to the other, the things which we have learned by the Spirit, we shall have fellowship with each other in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we participate in, when we partake of communion, we participate in communion with the Lord and we participate in communion with one another. That's ultimately what this symbolizes for us and what Paul teaches here. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to partake of these elements a little bit differently. I want to ask you to do something. A couple, about a month ago now, we had a, an hour of prayer. And one of the things that we did is we got into small groups and we prayed together in some of those small groups. We're going to do that again this morning, okay? And here's what I want you to do in those small groups. I want you to, first of all, Think about how we together as a body of Christ, even if you're not a member of this church, you're still part of the universal body of Christ, okay? And so we will celebrate Christ together and the communion and fellowship that we have as a church family. And here's what I want you to do in the small groups. I want you, if you, and I'm not forcing anybody to do this, so if you're not comfortable, that's okay, but somebody in your group, I'm sure, will do this. Share how you have been ministered to by the body of Christ. How Christ has Sir, uh, sh shown himself in someone's life and that they have blessed you. What, going back to that idea of what Spurgeon said, that we're ministering to one another because of what Jesus has done in our lives. Does that make sense? And I want us to celebrate the beauty of participating in the body of Christ before we partake of that element. So I'm going to give you about three and a half to four minutes to get in the groups, to take a little bit of time to share that, and then I'll pray over the element of the bread, and we'll partake of that. And then I'll give you instructions about taking the juice, okay? So this is a great time for the body to be the body. Go.
You've got about a minute more, and then I'm going to give you a, a, one more word of instruction. Twenty seconds. What I would like for you to do in your groups, hopefully everybody had a chance to share, but I would like for one person to just pray and celebrate those things that you heard in your group Take about 20 to 30 seconds to do that, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to partake of the element, okay? Heavenly Father, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, he says he's a prisoner for the Lord, and he urges the readers to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they've been called. He says further, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He says there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Lord, there is such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ that is built, meant to glorify Jesus, our head. And this morning, Lord, we come together as, as a local body to celebrate the headship of Christ, but also to celebrate that we are his body. And we certainly understand that what we learn in 1 Corinthians is, is that we have been called to participate in the body of Christ, that body that was broken for us, but was also resurrected for us. And we celebrate the victory of Jesus this morning. So, Father, I didn't get the privilege to hear all of these celebratory things that were shared in these groups, but you have. You are a witness to those things, 
And Lord, I trust they bring further glory to you, our Heavenly Father, and to Jesus, our Savior. And so, Lord, as we partake of this bread this morning, we do do so in remembrance of the salvation that Jesus provided for us, the victory that we have in Him. We do it to honor Him. We bless you, Jesus. Amen. So I encourage you to take that element and think about, once again, the body of Jesus that was broken for you. This cup of juice, obviously it represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. I want to read a passage to you out of 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we think about the blood that was shed for us, that our sin was cast upon Jesus, and he himself became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ, that's what this symbolizes. I don't think there's a more powerful symbol. Recently, I've been reading about the wrath of God out of Romans. And we, we sang this morning about this, the heavens, the stars, and all the host of the glory of the, the world around us worshiping the Lord. All of those things give testimony to the grace of God. That grace is ultimately found in the specific revelation of the word that tells us about Jesus. And that good news is this, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and he rose again, according to the scriptures. When we think about life in Christ, it is found in his blood. Our sin is atoned for through the blood, and our life is because he is alive. Folks, when we take this element this morning, it is a symbol of the great uh, thing that we have in Christ, our reconciliation. Our reconciliation to God. So as you partake of this, please, Think about the sacrifice that he made. Think about the, the sin that you've committed and how it is atoned for, it is paid for 
and that you are now in a right relationship with our Heavenly Father because of the work of Christ. I want us to do it this way. I just want us to be still and silent for just a moment and each of us prayerfully be thankful for the blood of Christ. So just bow with me and then we'll, I'll give you instructions to take the element. Father, words cannot express our gratitude for your goodness to us that comes through Christ. Lord, the scriptures tell us that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or cleansing of sin. But because Jesus, the spotless lamb, the righteous one, stood in our place and became sin for us and bore our guilt and our shame, we now can have faith in his work. We can trust him and have a right relationship with you, having our sin atoned for and being righteous because of Christ's righteousness, not our own. Lord, we are grateful. And as we take this cup, let it be a reminder to us of the wonder of your love, the great gift of Jesus and his obedience, his sacrifice, and his victory. So we do this in remembrance of him. Take the cup and drink. Our Father, how sweet it is to be able to celebrate this communion communion with you, communion with the body. Today, Lord, let it be a great reminder of who we are in Jesus. Let our lives be a reflection of that, not just in this moment, in this place, but as we leave here and express to you with lives that are lived to please you, a great zeal and thankfulness for the truth of the gospel and how it impacts us every moment of every day. Lord, we love you and pray these things in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. I want to ask you to move back to your seats. I have a couple things I want to share this morning real quickly about the upcoming year. Jacob Adams, where are you, young man? There you are. Would you do me a favor? You and Jace, y'all are com companions. Would, would y'all collect all the cups? And thanks. What, what I would like for you to do is just maybe stack them and pass them down to the end of a row. Help these young men. They'll, they'll just serve us that way. I appreciate it, you guys. It's nice to have students like that that you can trust, right? So we're going to be, uh, I want to share a quick verse out of um, Proverbs with you. Proverbs 29, 18. And this is a, a, a verse that has struck me over the, the course of many years um, about direction in church. And it says this, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. 
One, one translation, uh, translation says they enter into chaos. And another way you could look at this, or the people are discouraged. It says, but blessed is he who keeps the law. I uh, have been over the last several years thinking about where we are as a church, how we're going forward. And, and I think not that we have necessarily prophetic vision that is cast and is going to be coming down the road and is so sure because if, the, if a prophet is not true, then uh, he's to be stoned, right? So we're, we're not saying it's that kind of prophetic vision. But what we are looking at is a vision where we say, how is the Lord directing us and moving us? So in uh, 2016, 2017, right around the turn of the year, we spent some time uh, with about 30 people in our church looking at the direction of the church, how we're wired, uh, all the things that God is doing. We came out with a couple of key things that we understand about how God is uh, uh, enabling us to do ministry. And I want to give you two terms here that are really important. The first is this. We operate in a, according to spiritual formation. You might say, well, what does that really mean? Let me give you a quick definition. Formation is from the teaching and from applying and living out those teachings. We want to be a church that teaches the Word of God well and teaches you how to apply the Word of God well so that as you go out in the world and live, you're living according to the truth of God's Word. That's just part of what we're doing. So if you've been here for any length of time, you know that we're tr constantly trying to shape the Word of God in every arena of ministry. Um, and what we ultimately believe and recognize is that the Holy Spirit is, is the one who takes the Word and brings transformation to life. Okay, so But we elevate that big time in our church life. The second term that I want you to get is this, presence manifestation. Now, that can sound a little bit charismatic. Uh, that's not the intention of that. But here's the idea of presence manifestation. We want to welcome and experience God's presence. And here's, this is the cool part. When we meet, we want to know, hey, we've met with the Lord. That, that's the idea, okay? But when we meet and we know we've met with the Lord, there's a ripple effect that occurs in the lives of those around us because we know that we meet with the Lord. Does that make sense? So when we leave this place, we go, hey, the Word of God has uh, been taught. We've been transformed. We've met with God because God is present in the Word, and the Holy Spirit is taking that Word. And when we leave here, there's ripple effects that take place in, in the lives of people around us because God is constantly moving. Can I give you a big win in how that occurred this year in one simple way? And I'm glad they're not here because this is not going to be giving them accolades. Um, because I think it's really about the Lord. God brought Stephen Christie Pelt to our church a little over a year ago. God also, if you, if you know anything about Steve's background, he has actually been a pastor uh, in some seasons of his life. Um, and so coming in here, he, he's not pastoring any longer, but he's gone back to pastoring, <laughs> coming in here. We were actually able to be a sending agent to, for Steve to go to a sister church in our association and become their interim uh, pastor uh, and help them in a season of transition. So he is almost in the, uh, finished with that work. That's been a really cool thing to see how God brought them into our church. He had some things going on that we got to help them manage in transitions, and then we got to be a sending agency. So you get that whole picture of that spiritual formation and that presence manifestation rippling through our community. Isn't that a great thing? And 
that's not the only person that's, that's uh, we've experienced that with this year. But that's a real simple box ex- illustration. We want to see more of those things happen. Um, let me give you some things that we, when we talked about vision casting in 2017 that uh, came about in 2018. We knew we needed an administrative assistant, okay? And so in 2018, uh, well, the end of 2017, we started interviewing, and we hired Ashley Schusler, who's, who's not here today. So she's, she's back in the nursery. She's keeping little ones that are not he- happy today. I saw Everly crying. So Philip, stand up. This is Philip, her husband. So y'all, y'all can applaud Philip. That's cool. Um, stay standing, just because I got control for a second. <laughs> You got to listen to Philip laugh. He's got one of the most like unique, contagious laughs. I love it, man. Um, Philip and Ashley have joined our church, so I'm really excited about that. They are uh, so y'all can certainly applaud that even more, right? Um, now you can be seated now, Philip. Thanks, man. Now I'm going to make sure, and you, you communicate this to Ashley. Okay, this is one of the things that always scares me about administrative staff being a member of the church. Okay that we make them work on Sunday when they're here to worship on Sunday. Y'all get my point, right? So, can y'all do me a favor? Now that they're members, they're here to worship. They're here to serve. Ashley and Philip have already taken over the first and second grade class, right? That's the, the right, and Philip's the lead teacher on that. Um, so that's a really cool thing. So they've joined, and they're serving, and I want to help, help Ashley guard her Sunday. She needs to be free to worship, to minister to her family, to minister to those first and second graders. And she'll minister to you if it's small things, but don't wear her out with ministry stuff on a Sunday. That's why she's here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays to work, okay? So we, you, if you need office hours, just shoot an email to her. But I'm excited about having served with Ashley for a year now and us being fulfilling that vision piece that we had in place. Um, another thing that we saw, we, we have been focused big time on developing ministry leaders. This year we had a couple guys go to Men at the Cross, which was, uh, I can't tell you lots about it because it's, it's an experiential thing that if you ever go, you want to, to go in with a little bit of blind trust uh, with godly guys, or and they also have a Women at the Cross, godly women, and you go in with and experience some things that God has uniquely designed. I, I will tell you, that two-and-a-half-day, or what, I guess that's about right, uh, event, it changed my life big time. And I'll, I'll tell you this, one of the things that God did in that, in my life personally, He solidified some things in who He's made me to be in a time that I didn't know I would need to have solidified. And because that came back in some conflict and was like, man, oh man, thank you, Lord, for your perfect timing. And that experience definitely changed me. And I want to encourage you men, especially, there's another one up in Kentucky coming up in, I think, March. Uh, if you just go to Men at the Cross or Cross Ministry Group, I, we'll, we'll put that out. I would really encourage you to go, okay? It will change your life. It will change your life. And uh, the more guys that we can get invested in that in our church life, the better off we will be, I guarantee you. And women, that doesn't exclude you either, okay? There's a women at the cross that's coming up. I would really encourage you to figure out how to block out some time and go to that event. 
it is well worth it. Um, cool. Women's ministry. We've seen women's ministry take a big turn this year, investing with new team, uh, Wendy Dever. Uh, who else is on the team? It's bl I'm blank. Christy uh, Pelt, Nancy is joined, and Miss Gina Ryan back there. And uh, Gina has the opportunity. When do you go away for this training? At, at the end of January, Gina is participating in an ex expositional Bible study, work inductive Bible study. Learning how to teach better. That's, that that's boils it down. So the church is providing her part of the, the opportunity to do that uh, through the women's ministry budget, and that's a really exciting thing. And I think that fits right into those vision pieces that we've set up and how we do ministry. So really cool stuff. Um, we have pursued ways to help the hurting this year, which is part of all of those th these combination of things because our church wants to help hurting people. Can I tell you how we did that really, really well this last year? Russ and Jean Corbett were ministered to in an, a, a, a tremendous way. So many people jumped in and helped them. Let me give you a quick update, by the way. If you don't know, Russ calls in every Sunday morning, for the most part, and at about 8.15, and he presents us a devotion still, and we have a prayer time with him. And he always expresses, let the church know that I, I love them. He calls this his church still. Uh, Russ and Jean are, just had their Christmas experience with all their family up in Michigan at their lake house. Uh, and they are going to be talking to me this week about when they come down specifically in the month of January. And uh, we're going to figure all those details out. So they will be here at some point. Uh, they've also recently settled on a retirement center up in Minnesota where they're going to be landing, which is a really, really good thing. And so one of the things uh, that, that will happen sometime after February 6th, and there is a, a potential that they may need some help getting moved. So if you have a couple of days that you can get up to Michigan, I know it's a long way, but if you can figure out a way to get up there and help them load, you don't have to necessarily move them from Michigan to Minnesota, but just to help them get loaded would be huge because right now it's going to be Russ and Gene and most likely Denise, and that's not going to be enough help. Okay, So we will continue to get those details to you if you can figure out a way to, to continue to minister to them. Um, they do have a church family up there that they've kind of attached to that's uh, about 13 minutes away from them in Onstead, Michigan, and that will I'm sure those folks will be a blessing to them as well. Um, but I, I just want us to be mindful of that. Um, helping the hurting. We've talked about this as elders this last year. We know that marriages are the primary place that the enemy attacks. Because if the enemy can attack a marriage and undermine the health of a marriage, he impacts the couple, he impacts the children, and he impacts the extended family. And it's a tragic thing. So this last year, we provided a great uh, ministry weekend with Ron and Rosemary Papool for that marriage enrichment weekend. Okay, so great stuff happened again. This year, uh, we made a lot of progress in youth ministry. I, I want to tell you guys something. Um, when I say guys, I'm, I mean parents especially, uh, and adults if you're in this, this uh, church as an adult that's just kind of watching our youth. Our youth are great. I've been around a lot of youth ministry over my years. And, and honestly, I think the Lord is doing something very, very special in the lives of these students that we have. 
One of the things that we really felt uh, was important this year was to give them a very good foundation on doctrinal truth. So we took uh, Josh McDowell's um, Unshakable Truth. It's a 12-week series, and we put that before them. Now, here's the thing. Unshakable Truth is written for adults. Okay, the videos are done for adults. But what we were able to do is split that up. Uh, Frank and Jennifer Tejeda did a lot of the lead work in, in the teaching, but though they broke down these uh, 12 essential truths like doctrine of the Trinity, what is faith, what is the Holy Spirit's work, what is the importance of Scripture, all those kind of things that are the foundational things to our faith. And these students not only took it in, they continue to have dialogue. You can watch them journal. They're having great conversation. It has been exciting. And, and I'm, I'm just thrilled at how they're responding to these things. So we saw some great stuff coming up. Um, overall, and this is, this is a, a huge thing that I want you to, to do two things for. One is to know. The second is to pray towards. We did uh, a mentoring men on the information about becoming an elder or deacon in our church last year. So we took six, to, uh, six or eight weeks to, to accomplish that. I think it was eight weeks. And uh, spent a couple hours over those eight weeks um, of time, so 16 hours altogether, uh, mentoring guys. We are in the process. We have four men that we're about to meet in an ordination council to finalize that process towards elders or deacons. That will be happening at the end of January. And so turning around in February, we will be talking about who is uh, going to be candidates for the, the, an elder or deacon in our church life. And so we're continuing to work through that. Please pray. I'm not going to share those names yet, but please pray for us. And the Lord knows those guys. So you can just keep praying. He, he will understand who you're praying for. And it's important because we need more leadership in our church. And this is a great season for that to be happening. Um, so let me give you some upcoming things and, and give you a little bit of a call to the direction that we're heading. First of all, um, we have some needs in our church still. Uh, particularly children's ministry and youth ministry. Children's ministry, we have a need for a two- and three-year-old teacher at the 10 o'clock hour. We also have a need for some substitutes uh, at, at the 10 o'clock hour. Did I say 9 o'clock hour for the twos and threes? Ten, twos and threes at 10, okay. And then I think it's, um, yes, a, a teacher's assistant at the 9 a.m. hour. We had a, someone whose job situation changed, and they can't continue to be an assistant at that 9 o'clock hour. So if the Lord is impressing you about any of those things, please see myself. Uh, you can see uh, Lisa Estes right here. She's on the stage. She's part of the connection team. Um, and th th we're probably the most easily identified this morning. Um, and Dee Dee Anderson is in, in leading children's ministry. So you can see any of us about those things. Um, in youth ministry, I mentioned this before, but I, I really want to make sure that you're praying towards this because... We don't want to get car, caught with our guard down. This fall, coming in 2019, we will have 10 sixth graders rising into youth ministry when promotion occurs. Okay? 10 sixth graders. That totally changes youth ministry. We're staffed really well right now. But in the fall, guess what we need? We need some youth workers that love middle schoolers because we will need to go from a one-group youth ministry to doing some age grading, okay? And, and that's going to be essential for us because we need to go 10 sixth graders changes middle school and high school. It becomes too big of a group 
for us to do. So if you're passionate about youth ministry in any capacity, you need to see myself. You can talk to Frank or Jennifer. You can talk to Katie. Uh, those will be great lead people to look at and say, hey, I'm identifying. I, I want to begin to pray about this and see what God may do in my life in that area. Um, then, here's something really cool. We have been a church that has uh, been, I guess, a little bit like a roller coaster in our missions efforts. One of the things that we have done, and we, we do every week, you may not be aware of this, but every week, we, whatever you give in tithes and offerings, we also tithe out of that to the Robertson County Baptist Association, to the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, and to ourselves in missions. Okay? So we have a nest egg that has grown to over $5,000 in missions money for our church. This year, we need to be doing missions. We're going to be talking and planning and strategizing and praying about how we do missions as a church. And we got funding there to, to give us a foundation to, ha to go out and do something unique. And so here, here's what I want to encourage you to. If you're in a grow group, which all of us need to be in grow groups. Because when we talk about the idea of spiritual formation, spiritual formation occurs best in a grow group. Presence manifestation, making that ripple effect, occurs best in a grow group. Out of your grow groups, you ought to be studying the Word and you ought to be doing uh, missions efforts, helping the hurting, going out to reach people. But we also know as a church we can do some of those things in a bigger group and combine across grow group lines to do some of those kind of missions things. This summer, Frank Tehet and I have been talking at length how we do that with our students. Okay, So especially we're trying to plan towards that, but we also need to get that roller coaster ride evened out. We need to build a consistent plan with a consistent organization and us be consistent in our missions. This is the year we want to go after that. So, if you in, in, uh, have a heart for missions, please see me. Let's talk about how we can get established this year in 2019 for missions at the Grove Church that will carry us for years to come. Because it, if we are a missions-minded church, God will bless, I guarantee you. If I, every pastor I talk to that talks about, how'd you grow your church? How do you grow your church? They say, we were missions-minded. And we've not been that as a church. It's time for us to change that, folks. That is, how many of you have ever done missions? Can I, like, gone on a, a trip somewhere? Raise your hands really high. Because I want people to look around and see. Okay? Can, can I ask quickly, how did that change you? Somebody just pop up real quick. Got 10-second elevator speech. Thank you, Jennifer. It does. It changes how you see everything in life. Who else? All of a sudden, your gratefulness changes, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah. Who else? Get to know people. Get the opportunity to share the gospel. And, and, and I don't know about you, Danny, but I, I find it easier to share the gospel with people that I don't know. It, it's just the, the barriers go down. And I gain more confidence to come back and share it with people I know really well. So, so it's, it's cool. Yeah, Jensen? You have fun. Yeah, because when you do things for God, there's joy involved in it, right? Who else? Anybody else? You get to serve like Christ did. Thank you, Rebecca. 
because the Lord said how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And to, to go like Christ is important. I'm going to pick. Michael, you might meet your wife, right? <laughs> Possibly. So all of you college students, Michael and Maya met when Michael was on a mission trip. In Romania? Sorry. Hungary. Okay. I missed that. So, um, so college students do missions. You might meet your spouse your, one day. You know, never know. Um, that's up to the Lord, not me. Anybody else? Why missions? Yes, Seth. Yeah. Man. It, it, he did. He, he said that we need to go. We need to go and share the good news. And, and can, can I remind you this? Everybody thinks, I say that, that, that's a bad generalization. A lot of times we think that missions is so daunting. Jesus told us that he has given us the power to go. We're empowered. We ought to go. And I, I want to encourage you, if you didn't raise your hand that you've ever been on a trip, please, 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 desperately pray this year might be the year for you to go and get involved in missions and do something different. That could be doing something, I'm going to put a great plug in here, that could be doing something at Coldstream Christian Camp because you guys have a need for a cook this year at camp, don't you? So maybe you just like to cook and you got some free time and you could say, hey, I could go serve kids and camp counselors at Coldstream Christian Camp. Is Shay Spain Howard in here? She's not. Shay Spain Howard, she serves how many weeks of the year? So she's, she's the camp nurse. She's a good camp nurse. So very, very good. <laughs> Gage got a splinter in his big toe this last year, and Gage, uh, Shay was his caregiver. Oh, that was, she was a concussion? Yeah. Different injury. Gage is injury prone. Um, I know that from being a soccer coach, too. Um, so uh, if you have medical skills, you could go be uh, uh, involved at the camp. Uh, there's all sorts of opportunities around. But here's the thing. If you just come to church on a Sunday and walk out of here, those things won't fulfill your life. It, it will leave you lacking. It will leave you wanting. God has greater designs for you, and he has greater designs for us as a church. And I want you to know we're praying. We're trying to strategize. We're going to be going after these things this year. Lastly, um, I... I want to remind you of something and this is going to be quiz because the the um the, well it's not even really on the up anywhere because the, the poster's down for christmas decorations um can y'all think about our logo for a minute you can kind of cheat because you see the people on the side um over here on each side what are the six markers that we want to pursue as believers at the grove church there are six things that we elevate that we want to say we are going after these things intentionally in ministry. Just shout them out. Have minds for the truth. So you see the little separated dot that's the head of the, the worshiper, okay, or the disciple. I'm, I'm trying to call that our disciple guy right now. So we have minds for the truth. What else? People of prayer. If you remember our logo, one of the leaves starts at the knee and moves up towards the other leaf. I'm trying to give you a hint that we will be people that start at the, bend at the knees and go to prayer. What else? So we got two. Well, that's people of prayer, right? 
We'll have feet to go. Very good. There's missions that I just talked about, right? Okay, we got three of the six. Come on. We'll be worshipers, people that worship God. That's that first leap that's the, it's not attached, but it's the highest point. That, that's that transcendence of God. He is other than us, but he's the highest, okay? So that we worshipers of God. Two more. The two arms kind of come together at the chest, which represents the heart. That we would have a heart to what? Steward. God, steward God's resources, okay? So whatever those resources are, we would steward those well, okay? The last one is the hands to serve. That we'd have hands to serve the hurting in the, commun- in the community. Frank and Jennifer, I didn't have a chance to ask you guys. Y'all get to go out Christmas Day. Can y'all share just a little bit? Stand up really loud, because I want to connect some dots. Yeah, Ke- Kevin actually brought some blankets from NHC to us a couple years ago that were in retirement. We, we thought, oh, we're going to take those down to Bur- uh, Huntsville. Stand up. We thought, we're going to take those down to Huntsville. Huntsville, that was the roller coaster. It dipped, and we haven't been able to connect with them. So we've had about 10 boxes of blankets sitting in our storage shed for two years. We thought we were going to give them away to another church. That didn't happen because they have a homeless kind of ministry. And then Frank is new to the church this year, and he starts talking about something a couple weeks ago, a month ago. And I was like, ding, 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 connecting dots. Frank, what have you guys done over Christmas break? And our youth ministry helped with this too. Isn't that cool? About how many blankets and bags did y'all give away? 40 bags, okay? And we've got more blankets. <laughs> So guess what we'll do next year? We're going to do it again. So, folks, those things don't get uh, celebrated enough around here. We, we tend to kind of keep driving. But I think this is one of those times in the year we go, we stop, we celebrate, we project forward, because we need to know 
how God has brought this body uniquely together. And, and Kevin, I hate that we've sat on blankets for two years. I do. But you know what? God in his sovereign timing brought those things together. And, and how many more things will God do this year as we intentionally open our hearts and minds to the things that he is calling us towards? So back here behind me, I want to just give you this. I, I, I was looking for just kind of a, a logo thing to, to share this morning. I love the picture of these little white guys. I, I know they're just cheesy in one sense. But that word vision, it, it's really cool, that picture. Because when there's a vision of people working together, things change. And, and that's what they represent. And folks, that's what the body of Christ is. That's what the Grove Church is about. It's about you as the body, being the body, picking up your letter or maybe collaborating with somebody else on their letter or the letter to make the word. And I, I would say it's this, God's glory. If, if our vision is constantly to bring glory to God, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. And not only will we be all right, we'll be healthy, we'll be impacting the world, will be making that ripple effect wherever we are. But I think this year is especially a year that he is calling you as a body, a member of this body, to do things differently and to invest differently and to say how we can bring transformation to one another, to the, the circles of influence around us. What are you going to be doing? I hope that you'll leave today going, wow, we have been called to a great relationship with Christ out of, out of the communion time. And that in and of itself says to me, I want to be involved in a body, communion as a body under the headship of Christ that has this kind of vision that's still developing. I'll be honest, it's still developing. We don't have all the answers. But you know what? God will providentially, in his right time, give us those answers as we seek him out. And that's where we each need to be, seeking Him out. Seeking Him out. So I want to ask us to do something right now. I just want us to pray. So I just want you to bow right where you are. And I want you to be alone with the Lord for just a moment. And here's how I want you to, to be alone and asking this. How do you want me to participate, God? If you are a member of this body, how do you want me to participate in the Grove Church body life? If you're not a member of this body, because I'm looking at some of my college friends, you guys are parts of other bodies. Maybe it's your college campus, body life. Maybe it's the church that you're part of as you're away. How does God want you to move in those arenas? So it's not just localized to us. This is kingdom-minded. Now I'm going to be quiet. I want you to listen to the Lord.